Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, here we go. Stand by. Three, two, one. The thinking atheist. It's not a person. It's a symbol. An idea. The population of atheists in this country is going through the roof. Rejecting faith. Pursuing knowledge. Challenging the sacred. If I tell the truth, it's because I tell the truth. Not because I put my hand on a book and made a wish. And working together for a more rational world. Take the risk of thinking for yourself. Much more happiness, truth, beauty, and wisdom will come to you that way. Assume nothing. Question everything. And start thinking. This is the Thinking Atheist Podcast. Hosted by Seth Andrews. Before I get into my conversation with special guest No Illusions, here is a subject that I've thought about tackling on the show. It is such a thick, deep subject that I would really kind of rather leave it to my friends at The Great Courses Plus. The topic is paganism. Yeah, I'm going to leave this one, at least for now, to Dr. Hans Friedrich Muller. This guy is an expert on the ancient Mesopotamians, the creation of their gods, their myths and legends. I mean, everything from the Egyptian Book of the Dead to the Vedas to Zeus on Mount Olympus to the mystery cults, many of which informed our modern day religions. It's just fascinating stuff. It's available as a lecture series at the Great Courses Plus called The Pagan World, Ancient Religions Before Christianity. You can stream the videos to your TV. You can watch as a family and educate everybody. You can stream to your computer, laptop. You can use the app and listen on your smartphone. Subjects at the Great Courses Plus range far and wide. And while you and I are navigating these sort of strange days, it is a prime time to learn something new and make the most of these moments. The Great Courses Plus is giving my listeners this great offer. It's a free trial of unlimited access to the entire library. So sign up today using my special URL to get started. Start your free trial at thegreatcoursesplus.com slash Seth. Remember, thegreatcoursesplus.com slash Seth. When you talk to No Illusions, host of The Scathing Atheist, co-host of God Awful Movies, and involved in I don't know how many other podcasts right now, when you talk to No Illusions, there's just never a dull moment. Just never a moment where you think, this is not interesting. I mean, it's always good stuff. And it's been too long since I've had him back on the show. 
And so, my friends, it's an honor to have him back. No illusions. Thanks for being here, brother. How you holding up, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm a little bit spoiled, uh, rotten through this this pandemic. Like yourself, I already worked from home. And unlike yourself, I haven't had a haircut in 12, <laughs> 15 years. So none of this is bothering me. Now, how's this uh, affecting the whole not smoking thing? Because you, what was your start date on the uh, quitting cigarettes? Yeah, I quit on December 12th of last year. And, you know, right before a huge lung disease pandemic is a pretty solid time to quit smoking. <laughs> Um, but I got to be honest, you know, you get I never would have thought it as a as a smoker. You know, I was smoked for 30 years or nearly 30 years. Um, I never would have thought it. But I got, you know, a good 30, 40 days away from it. And I barely ever think about it now. So it really hasn't been a problem at all. That's freaking amazing. Well, I know you chronicle your journey. You got a uh, you still have the blog. I know the blog was nothing but just. F-bombs <laughs> for the first few days. <laughs> yeah, boy, it inspired quite a few of those. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I kept a blog called uh, Noah Quits. It's at noahquits.com. Uh, and it, I really, I cataloged the first hundred days or so of my journey. Since then, it, it hasn't seemed like there was, there's been much to add. Um, I still keep it open. I might, I might tack in a little something uh, additionally, but I put it up there because I thought other People like myself that were going through the process of quitting, you know, could probably it, it, it would probably be helpful for some of them to be able to, like, follow along with my journey retroactively. And uh, and I've heard from a lot of people that, that you know, quit alongside me in solidarity or that quit uh, shortly after and that, that use the blog in that way. And uh, it seems to be doing what it was what it was designed to do. That's interesting. Some people saw you and they kind of saw you take the lead, at least in that circle. And they jumped with you, huh? Yeah, that's been really exciting. It, it, well, and, you know, I'll tell you what, it's a great motivation, obviously, if you're trying to quit, knowing that if you fail, there are a, a, at least, you know, at least four or five other people who are following along with you that, that you know, you're going to make their journey a little tougher, right? So you have to quit for them, not just for yourself. I uh, posted on Facebook. I said, I'm uh, doing a drinking game. I'm going to be talking to No Illusions. And you take a drink every time he says, fuck. And uh, <laughs> people responded, are you trying to kill people? This is how you kill people. I just thought that was hysterical, you know. So. <laughs> That's good stuff. I saw that, actually. And so I haven't said it yet. You know, I was I was thinking. And at this point, I can actually like I could theoretically get out of this interview with you having said it more times than me, which would be pretty amazing. But, you know, fuckity fuck, fuck. I'm not going to let that happen. I'm a PG-13 usually yeah. kind of guy. You know, I'm more of a surgical <laughs> strike. Aren't you guys doing the do you call it the stay the fuck at home podcast or what do you call that now? Um, yeah, so that's just a it's a live stream we've been doing on YouTube uh, every week since the um, since the lockdown started or, you know, we don't have a national lockdown, of course. So since the first state lockdown started here, uh, we've been every Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern. We've been getting together, me, Eli and Heath, my co-hosts, and, and we've been bringing guests on as well. And we've just spent a couple hours hanging out with our listeners, you know, knowing that people's Saturday night plans changed quite a bit uh, because of the coronavirus pandemic um, but it's one of the things that we've been doing you know i think content creators uh across the internet have been trying to go above and beyond to help out while so many people are in such desperate need of ways to fill their day so i know you got an opinion about all the bat shittery that's going on. i've been watching these you know <laughs> these right wing nuts who are out with their flags and god and country placards and they're like my freedom's under attack you know i was watching that pastor i hate to give pastor greg Locke any more time and attention than oh. he already because he's an attention seeker you know mm -hmm. but he's also you know he's he's kind of like the canary in the mine he's the 
He's more of an example of what's wrong with the culture as a whole, at least in that regard. But I'm sure you got an opinion. You've been watching these guys who somehow believe the global pandemic and the societal contract that we are being asked to adhere to to protect our fellow human beings is an assault on their constitutional liberties. No illusions. What do you think? Well, I got okay. So first of all, I'm surrounded by them, right? I live in South Georgia. I am on the border of Brian Kemp and Ron DeSantis, right? <laughs> like I, I, I am right there between like uh, Brian Kemp, who when he finally issued a stay-at-home order, he also issued a statewide order to open back up the beaches over the uh, over the heads of the mayors and whatnot that had closed them um and then of course we have desantis who opened the beaches what the day before yesterday he's like yeah you know we hit peak what six hours ago it's probably time for everybody to get out there and get back on the water and of course i'm in you know i'm in south georgia i'm in trailer park country i am there is a sign in my neighborhood that says faith over fear that just went up the other day, you know, to send this message that, no, I'm not afraid of coronavirus. God's got me. Now, I don't know if you uh, uh, this has probably not made the national news because, of course, there's been so much uh, death and, 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 and tragedy from this uh, virus. But two hours to my west in a very, very small town called Albany, Georgia, there have been 77 COVID deaths in the last two weeks. That's in one county. The county just north of that had, I think, 22, and the county just north of that, 15. This all ties back to one religious service that was that, that, that took place. It was a, a big religious service. A, a, a popular, I believe a popular pastor had just passed away, and so they had a, a big service for him. And I, I think the, the death toll from that single gathering is, is approaching 100 in this tiny little town. This is the town, if, 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 for people who are fans of God awful movies, this is the town where they filmed Fireproof with Kirk Cameron. This is a town with a population that can't be more than 25,000. Uh, another infectious disease, by the way, the film Fireproof. Oh, my God. With Kirk Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole other show. I'm sorry to derail you. Whole other show. No, whole no. Show. Yeah, actually, like oh. this is a town that is familiar with tragedy. Yes, obviously. <laughs> um, but, you know, but this is going on right next to where I am. And the people are still just going like, yeah, but I want to go to the Applebee's yeah. and sit down. I don't want to do drive up. It's a persecution narrative that's common. I'm. I, working on a project about sort of the Fox News Christianity that's going around where everything is some sort of a, you know, it's a crisis moment, an encroachment of the secularists or the globalists or whateverists against American freedom. Now, you know, I'm glad to be a, a citizen of the United States. I'm a, I appreciate the freedoms that I enjoy. I understand I'm spoiled, rotten, tremendously fortunate. I could have been born in a tremendously impoverished or oppressed place, blah, blah, blah. So I'm not knocking my own country, except that this particular flavor of sort of weird bucktooth jingoism is harming other people, right? Yeah, if they were just out killing themselves with this stupidity, I would just sit back and I'd say, yeah, I'd kind of rather you didn't. But yeah, it's not just them that they're getting here. Yeah, yeah. You guys do a lot of talking about this sort of God and country stuff that uh, sort of infects, I mean, obviously Atlanta, right? You guys got plenty of flag waving and, and God and Jesus type stuff on the bumper stickers and the church billboards, et cetera. Yeah, you know, I think at this point, there's a very, very fine distinction that you draw between 
Republican and evangelical Christian. I mean, I know that there are evangelical Christians that are liberal, and I know that there are Republicans that are atheists and everything. But when you look at this, there's this one political body that is the evangelical Republican Trumpocrat, you know. Um, and you know, and I'm you know I'm in a place that just looks at at Atlanta like a like a reprieve, like a like a oasis in a desert. You know, I'm four and a half hours south of that in the absolute armpit. Of Georgia, the 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 taint of the Bible Belt, you know, um, and uh, and yeah, I, I mean, I'm constantly surrounded by it, and it's all driven, like you said, by this bizarre persecution narrative where they sim- they seem to believe that somehow their government can invade its own country and the majority can somehow oppress itself. Like the variables don't even add up, and somehow they buy into it. And it's so fun to listen to them talk. Of course, if I go to a, a, a barbecue or a get-together of any kind around here, I'm surrounded by it. And so I'll just start asking them questions like that. But yeah, but like, but why would the U.S. government invade Texas? Be- it's already part. They're already there, right? And to listen to them try to explain away this redundant stupidity of their conspiracy theories, and you know, like again, you know, like you said, that this this persecution narrative, the Christians are being persecuted, right? Because because what they almost have to play by the rules, other people have to play by sometimes. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Well, I love the idea too. It's it's a tremendously hypocritical thing to say this is the greatest country on the face of the planet, and. We- <laughs> We have to have guns to protect ourselves from it in case there's yep. a coup against its people. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, you know? Well, and it's just as hypocritical to watch all of these, you know, 330 pound militiamen run around with their uh, with their semi automatic rifles and talk about defeating the U.S. military. I mean, think of all the things that have to happen. Think of all of the things that would have to happen in perfect allegiance with itself. Not just the president, the vice president, all the members of Congress. Every member, every man and woman in the United States military all agree to collude, (laughs) to oppress the citizens of the United States. Let's say that happened. These militia types holding their Glocks and Remingtons act like they've got a prayer against the billions of dollars blitzkrieg that is the U.S. military machine, right? I mean, they could just turn all of those states to glass (laughs) immediately. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and like, you know, one way or the other, at the outset of this conflict, they've got you surrounded, guys. (laughs) (laughs) You know, back to uh, some controversy going on in the South. I was watching, you guys see the story of uh, this pastor, this wacko pastor, Rodney Howard Brown in Florida, who was having got arrested for it, but he had these church services and he was telling his people, ah, trust me, you're safe. I've got machines installed (laughs) in the church auditorium that will kill the COVID-19 virus. And uh, that guy's behind the Toronto blessing. Did you guys ever do anything on the Toronto blessing? Oh, I'm not familiar with this one. The Toronto Blessing was big in the 90s. You've probably seen the videos. You just didn't know it was called the Toronto Blessing. It was a church in Toronto. And this guy, this Rodney Howard Brown guy went up. And his thing was, is that when you receive the Holy Spirit, the very Pentecostal dude, you manifest that by barking like a dog and jumping around and flailing and you know drooling and going crazy. There's all these sort of mock-up videos, these mixed-down videos on YouTube where they put it to music and shit like that. <laughs> so the guy's just, I mean, he's definitely got a few too many yards between the goalposts anyway, if you know what I mean. 
And then you got him, and, and he's preaching the same thing many pastors are preaching, and that you just mentioned, right? Our God's greater than any COVID-19. They become then a public health hazard. What do you mm-hmm. think the solution to that is? Yeah, well, you know, that's the, that's the really tricky one, because the solution is to throw that guy in jail, right? Yeah. Now, that guy in particular, he was, you know, he they, they arrested him. They, you know, they arrested him, released him on on bail. You know, six minutes later or whatever. But like th- that guy, like if not for religion, we would lock him up, right? If this was not a really, if he didn't have the shield of Christianity protecting him, and let's be honest, let's, it's not religion; it's Christianity, right? If he was Muslim, we'd find a way to lock him up too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Christianity has this exemption from law, this exemption from criticism that we as a society are unwilling to breach. Um, and that's a perfect example, right? Because when the sheriff made the announcement that they were going to press criminal charges against him for repeatedly defying this uh, this uh, state order, the, the police chief and the prosecutor that had decided to bring the charges had to surround themselves with other local religious leaders, right? And, and give a big speech about how this is not, we're not attacking him for his religious beliefs. This is a Christian in the South. Of fucking course you're not attacking him for his religious beliefs. Right, but because they've sold this ridiculous Fox News persecution narrative so successfully, when someone has to perform just a normal, obviously justifiable thing that they'd have to do, you know, for for any other organization, they have to come in and and, and do it with kid gloves and and explain away that like even though this is a religion, we're going to have to enforce the law just this once. We promise never to do it again. <laughs> Right. And unless we're willing to face that as a nation, we just have to accept that this problem will continue to exist. We will not be able to solve things like national pandemics because we've decided to, you know, that it's more important that we treat religion with all of these religion or with the, all these, uh, legal exemptions and, and, and uh, logical exemptions. It's bad enough, too. I mean, they operate under a different standard. Well, I mean, they're not supposed to, but they operate under a different standard as far as being tax-free, the 501c3. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have to be as transparent with their books. You get the parsonage exemptions and all that stuff that other 501c3 nonprofits don't get, and they get to play their religion card. And if you're like, hey, you need to play by the same rules as, as everybody else, they're always like, ma, freedom, <laughs> right? Yep. <laughs> The ultimate protective mechanism. They just scream liberty under attack and everybody circles the wagons. What do you think about the whole uh, taxing the churches thing? Have you got, have you put that to the, to the fire and tested it out? What do you think? You think we should tax them? Well, look, I, I, I think that we should simply make them play by the other, by the same rules that other non-religious organizations play by. So I'm fine giving them the ability to be 501c3s. Um, you know, to like you said, the the, the problem is to, for me is not that they're not taxed; it's that they're not taxed and that they're not transparent. That they don't have to tell you where their money's coming from, or more importantly, where it's going. I have a sneaking suspicion that if Joel Osteen, you know, had to publish what happened with all those dollars he collects, he'd collect fewer dollars. Yeah. You know, if we all got to look at Creflo Dollars books. Uh, you know, people would be, and I don't know, maybe they, like, obviously, look, they, they know that Joel Osteen is wealthy. They know that Creflo Dollar, uh, has a, a, a new airplane, et cetera. So maybe it wouldn't make any difference whatsoever. But I'd be okay with that as long as I can then go in and see, okay, of all of that money that the, that tax free money that the, uh, Salvation Army is collecting. Where is it actually going? Is it really just going to homophobic programs to fight? 
uh, marriage equality, or is it going to the things they say it's going to? That's where I fall on it, and I think that's an infinitely reasonable and defensible position. I see a lot of atheists saying, like, tax the churches. That's a much harder position to defend if you're arguing with a Christian, but make them play by the same rules as other tax-exempt organizations is not. Talking here with no illusions, he's host of The Scathing Atheist, co-host of God Awful Movies. I thought of you guys. I tried to channel you guys poorly. I did kind of a live commentary of the Thief in the Night films, all four of them. And there's no there's irreparable damage to my cerebrum from having to navigate. I don't know how you guys go through these religious films so frequently and not suffer some sort of, you know, permanent physical impairment. <laughs> so, it's just terrible. Well, I will say, if they were all as bad as that trilogy, I think we probably would. You know, when they cart the three-year-old out to the guillotine, (gasps) I'm screaming at the monitor. I'm screaming at the monitor. And uh, you guys have gotten into the Estes Perkle films. I mean to derail, but if everybody gets a chance, you should definitely check out God Awful Movies, the podcast. They do a tremendous, tremendous job. No illusions. I um, dropped you. I think I set this up on a cell phone. I think I dropped you a text or something. I hope you're not using 5G since 5G is now being used <laughs> to spread the COVID-19 virus as part of some, some kind of vast Illuminati conspiracy. You've been following this conspiracy story? Um, I've been trying not to, I'll be honest with you. But yeah, when they start setting the towers on fire and stuff, it's hard to ignore. Um, yeah, no, this is what what I love so much about this is how little they seem to un- like. I know nothing at all about cell phone technology. Right. But I know enough to know that 5G doesn't mean that, like, they've added 25 percent more G. And now there's so much G that we all have to worry about it. Right. This is they're doing the same thing. They were. This is it's fifth generation, guys. They're doing the same thing they were already doing. Yes, there are some like more intense and and, and shorter distance uh, ways that are like being produced. But 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 like these are orange is an electromagnetic wave. You know, do do we are we really worried about electro? Any, yeah, it's it's insane. And then we've got. Luckily, somewhere in the world, we've got somebody volunteering to be the crazy ones for a change other than America. In England, they're setting the towers on fire. My favorite story is one where they set the the 4G tower on fire. They didn't know, you know, they're just like setting cell phone towers on and they're like looking at one of them going like, well, how the hell can you know which G this one is? Better set this one on fire just to be safe. I love it. I love it. There's just nothing we can't get afraid of here. I don't think they're trolls. I posted it. It's a Facebook page called the great awakening and they spell it with a Q and they've got all these codes and stuff. And there was, an actual post that I shared from April 18th, I won't read the whole thing, but this is just sort of a, a hint of what we're against with all these conspiracy nuts. For those of you tempted to tune in and watch the COVID-19 six-hour concert led by all the famous people slash musicians, which will air tonight. This was, again, a few days ago. Uh, just be aware, all these performers are part of the cabal and pedophiles they participate in satanic worship and sacrifice child and human sex trafficking rape and murder of kids now they're talking about like lady gaga and elton john and john legend and you know yeah yeah to be clear they're not talking about the catholic church (laughs) (laughs) they're talking about celine dion i'm sorry well their rationalizations are bizarre they are bizarre satan feeds off this energy it's a time of heavy spiritual warfare 
they're pushing the masses to go global citizen. Now, this is the group that's afraid of the one world government, which is a precursor to the Antichrist, blah, blah, blah. Keep Mm -hmm. six feet away, they say. Well, there's a six they're worried about. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) The Netflix pandemic documentary has six episodes. According to the WHO definition, phase six is a pandemic. The word corona has six letters. Um the NPR says the World Health Organization sets six conditions for ending yep. a coronavirus lockdown, and the musical hour with all the special celebrity guests is exactly six hours long. And so, so they've lined up all these sixes and decided, holy shit, this is like, this is this is the end times, man. <laughs> this is like three apocalypses. This that's nine sixes. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I, they look legit. I mean, this you this is such a crazy world that when you and I see something like that, we're not like, oh come on, they're a Poe. Oh, no, come on, it's satire. Our first instinct is to be like, holy shit, the gene pool needs chlorine, right? When you remove the and then, right, then anything can mean anything, right? Like, so they they, they list all of these sixes and we're supposed to sit back there and go, oh, but like if there's somebody going and... You know, right? Like, if, if if you imagine this person is standing there telling you all these sixes are, that all these sixes are, are popping up out of the information or whatever, and you just ask them, and? <laughs> what do they, you know, but there's nobody doing that in that universe. We, we you know, I, I've, I've walked among them. You lived among them for a long time, right? That That's a rude question, right? Like, the entire part where you're supposed to like figure out what you, you know, we know the final phase is profit, but what's the step between microwave everybody's brains with 5G <laughs> and satanic music and profit? I want to know why they're so upset about the end of the world. This is what they're looking forward to. The sooner the end times get here, the sooner they get to go to the gravy train in the sky and have happy, happy, joy, joy feelings with beautiful colors and art and music and mansions and streets of gold and all that. It's a, I'm amazed at the people who are desperate for the book of Revelation to come to pass. At the same time, they continue to warn us about the signs of the book of Revelation coming to pass. Well, you know, it's funny we see that dichotomy constantly on god-awful movies because we watch these movies that are supposed to take place in the apocalypse, and it's always like the good guys are always banding together to fight against the Antichrist, but they always lose because this is supposed to happen, right? So like the big, the denouement, every one of these movies is where they realize, oh, we're supposed to let the Antichrist win, right? You mentioned Fox News. I have a book coming out about uh, the whole Fox News Christian culture. Sean Hannity, all right, he's supposed to be this, I I guess he pitches himself as a journalist, right, instead of Hmm. a notorialist evangelical activist, but he actually produced and partially starred in this movie. I don't know, did you guys review the Kevin Sorbo film, Let There Be Light, from 2017? It's one of my favorite things that's ever happened in the world, <laughs> Seth, yes. All right. And honestly, the scene with with uh, Sean Hannity is the best part of that movie. Uh, what is that scene? I, I haven't seen the movie. This movie is so great. The whole concept of the movie, uh, the conceit of the film is that Kevin Sorbo is this famous atheist that has a near-death experience and becomes a Christian. And his wife comes up with this idea um, that she's going to make an app where uh, that the entire app apparently turns on your phone's flashlight, right? That's the entire thing. Um, and everybody's going to go out at the same time uh, of the day, and they're going to hold their phones up in the air and shine their flashlights towards heaven, 
so that God can look down apparently on the earth and see all of our lights and know that we're all, you know, down with him. Oh, wow. And there and and of course, the wife gets cancer and dies at the very end because she's a wife in a Christian movie. Right. But there's a scene where Sean Hannity is interviewing Kevin Sorbo and his wife about this plan they have to shine lights into heaven. And the interview that they have is such an amazing window into that the, the, the mind that you're talking about, right? This Christian Fox News persecuted mind where, you know, he says, like, I, I can't remember the exact setup, but it's something along the lines of uh, uh, Kevin Sorbo says, or, uh, Sean Hannity asks Kevin Sorbo, you know, well, what right do you have to tell me what religion I should be with your little lights in your app? To which Kevin Sorbo says, well, you know, what right do uh, Muslims have to chop off the heads of Christians? <laughs> and to which Sean Hannity says, that's a great point. And then they just move on. Right. And just you know, I'm sitting there jaw gape going like, what information do you guys think was just exchanged there? How many of these films has Kevin Sorbo been in? Wasn't he one? Didn't didn't he get killed in a car wreck in one of them? I'm trying to remember. There's so many. Yeah. So. Yep. That was the original God's Not Dead. Yeah, that's uh, right. That was the movie that inspired God awful movies. Actually, that that one was so bad. We were like, we we just need a full time podcast to do this. So if nothing else, we can thank the producers of God's Not Dead for inspiring. The God Awful Movies podcast. That's uh, that's good to hear. Yeah, if it wasn't for David A.R. White and Pure Flicks, we could never have been. Thank you, David. I occasionally will see. I, I don't know how to pull the plug on these. Google has the least intuitive interface, and I'm grandfathered. My channel's so old that it's harder and harder to get to some of the stuff. But I noticed that Pure Flicks occasionally has ads running on my channel. And I have two thoughts. I'm like, well, you know, thanks, Google. Right? It's my first one. And two is... Does Pure Flix actually think that my audience doesn't know their theology slash Bible better than they do? Right? Right. I mean, do you do you ever have that sort of weird crossing of the streams when they appear on your radar? Yeah. Well, you know, so yeah, and I used to not worry about it. My, my, my thought on it used to be, yeah, I'll happily take their money. Right. Like nobody who's listening to God awful movies is going to see the, the pure flicks ad before our YouTube thing and, and say, oh, I'll sign up for their server. Actually, they might because we do a lot of the movies that are on pure flicks. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I, I, they're, they're not going to become Christians because they, you know, because they saw this advertisement. So I used to have this feeling that like, yeah, you know, that's that's fine. I'll take their money. But in retrospect, I started to rethink this. So in in 2016, we have another show that we do called The Skeptocrat, which is a political show. And some listeners uh, chimed in to let us know while that was running that we were having Donald, they were putting Donald Trump ads at the beginning of our show. And I reached out to the audience. I says, hey, you know, like I can understand, like I wouldn't want to listen to a Donald Trump ad before before a podcast that I listen to. If you guys want us to, um, you know, to, to block these ads, we can. Uh, but if if it's all the same to you guys, we'd rather keep taking his money. You know, we'd rather that he threw away his money advertising to our audience than, you know, than he spent that money somewhere more effectively. And the audience more or less agreed. And most of them chimed in to say, yeah, by all means, run the ads. And then he won. And it felt really bad. Right. Like if he was just going to lose the election like he was supposed to. And we just got a couple of his a couple of dollars of his money along the way. It wouldn't have felt so bad. But the fact that he won now, I feel dirty <laughs> for, for yeah. having taken that money. You know, Yeah, I feel you. You brought up politics. Uh, can we talk politics? I mean, can we talk politics? Hard not to these days. I, I, hang on. I'm going to take a break. When I come back, 
I want, I'm just going to get him started. I'm just going to say the word politics. I'm just going to let no illusion just spin off into wherever he plans to go. And whatever happens, it won't be boring. I'll do it right after this. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My patrons get this show early and commercial-free on Patreon. Thank you so much for your support. Patreon.com slash Seth Andrews. So I get these messages, no illusions from people, and they're like, oh, you're spot on when it comes to religious criticism, but why do you have to talk politics? And I am astounded by the question, because... In the age of the Christian nationalists and the rampant overrun of evangelicals into the Republican White House, how can you not talk about politics when you're talking about religion? What's your opinion? No illusions. Yeah, you know, Seth, I'm I'm on, you know, I, I we're friends on Facebook and I follow you on Twitter and everything. So I see your social media and I don't know where the hell these people are. I, like, they're not on mine. Um, apparently, I've said fuck Trump enough times on my show that I've scared them all off and they know that I'm a lost cause. But I constantly see him. You'll put the most innocuous. Hey, boy, this is a dumb thing that the Trump administration has done now that is very obviously like inspired by their uh, their uh pandering to the christian right probably thank you yeah exactly and people jump on to say well i don't know why you can't you you can't make a single post without talking about politics i'm just like but you as you said they, they are one in the same at this point there is no distinction between the religious right and the right you know, like I said, there are definitely people who are sort of the old guard of the Republican Party, but those people are entirely out of power at this point. It's not just about Donald Trump either for me. I mean, and I try to reiterate this online. I think it's a reasonable position, right? If I'm voting against Donald Trump, it, I, don't, I don't even like Biden as a candidate. I'm voting for him. And the reason is it ain't just about Biden. It's the fact that there is one party more than another that's in bed with the theocrats, that is promoting mm-hmm. Christian nationalism, that's trying to make non-Christians second-class citizens, right? I mean, I want somebody who has experience in education as the head of education. Same with HUD, same with NASA, same with energy, same with agriculture. You know, I want people who are not religious activists in the halls of power. And there's one party much more than the other that represents that. And yet when I say I'm going to I'm going to vote for Biden because he's the second of two choices, (laughs) people lose their shit. Explain this to me. I would love to, Seth. But yeah, it it defies explanation. Now, I don't get that from the right. I get it from the left. Right. I get all these people saying, no, he's not far enough left. And I'm like, it's him or fucking Trump. Yeah. Which is farther left. People, do you, this, is, this is a simple question do you look, here. I mean, I heard someone say that Trump is like a black light. I mean, you know, Trump's a symptom, right? The problem is the culture that empowered him. 
Mm. Do you have a thought on that? You know, is this is he a, sort of an echo of a more troubling noise? I think so. You know, like he brings his unique idiosyncrasies to that issue. But like somebody was certainly going to arise and be that guy. Uh, consider that like, you know, come on, as, as low as we are to claim him, Donald Trump is a fucking atheist. Yeah. Right. This guy is not religious. He might not be an atheist in the sense that he's like really given it thought and decided that, that God doesn't exist. But he certainly lives his life day to day as though there is no God. He doesn't care at all about religion. They have their little prayer meetings at the White House. He doesn't attend them. You know, he can't cite Second Corinthians correctly. <laughs> he doesn't go to church. Um, you, you know, he says the words once in a while. And when he says them, you, it's so obvious. I, I think, you know, especially Seth, you as a person who was a former Christian that, that, that you know, got you used to plucking out the politicians who were just pandering to the faith and the and the politicians that just shared it he is the most obvious pretend christian that ever has been right so obviously the religious shit is not idiosyncratic to him it's just the base he was able to adhere himself to that he was able to attach himself to to get done what he wanted done and i think that that is all the proof that you should need that had there been no trump there would have been someone else there would have been might have been like a pence type of person it might have been somebody who actually believed all this shit but the prime was the primer was already there the tube was already lubed for somebody to squirt their way through <laughs> i'm sorry i gotta write that down the tube was already lubed for someone to squirt it down <laughs> that's a t-shirt that's a t-shirt yeah. yeah that should go on sale no illusions.com slash t-shirts I'll, I'll put it on a, as a blurb on the back of your book <laughs> you do that talk to me a little bit about uh i mean do you have any optimism about the future do you feel like that this anti-science anti-education i mean we live in a culture that distrusts experts right and they yeah. take pride in the fact that when fauci and other people take the podium and say well look here's what science says and here's what my lifetime in the field has led me to declare or here's what the data says there's a whole culture of people that simply because it's put together by them the other whatever establishment is trying to control the conduit of information they just distrust it and trust opinion emotion over that and i've become I almost kind of fatalistic. I mean, I'm trying not to give up. I'm normally an optimist. Do you struggle with that? Well, I'm not normally known for my optimism, <laughs> Seth. I will, I will go ahead and warn you that in advance. But look, I mean, you know, it's it's definitely encouraging when we see them gathering by the hundreds and breathing on each other <laughs> right now. But um, but no, you know, I'll tell you what, I I will be the the. Uh, the starry-eyed optimist on this one, I think that what we're seeing is largely a death rattle. I think that, you know, when you and I were children, you didn't see as much, and, and you saw a little bit, right? You saw the first stirrings of the religious right. You start, saw the first stirrings of the Billy Grahams of the world that, like, were pushing uh, Christians to get more involved in politics and stuff. But they, they didn't seem to be fighting so hard to hold on to the privilege that they had, right? I think... That, you know, they were attuned to this a little bit quicker than we, we were. They saw the demographics shifting towards atheism a little quicker than we did. And then they've desperately tried to use those, those last few remaining years in a supermajority, right, to try to consolidate, to try to cement all the various privileges that were always just assumed in the past. We didn't have to codify these things into law because everybody knew the Christians weren't going to have to follow the law. And now they're trying to put those things in place. They're trying to put in laws that say, yes, but I don't have to serve gay people because I'm Christian. And that's because they know that their time with their hands on all the levers of power is coming to an end. I found utility in one thing. 
The COVID-19 crisis has revealed, I think, the vacuousness of religious thinking. It's like when Trump sort of fronted this National Day of Prayer over COVID-19. We had one in the state of Oklahoma, Governor Stitt. He's on all three networks, Transformation Church. They're having this big name it and claim it prayer of protection. And if you've seen the graph, it's like, here's the National Day of Prayer. Here's the state day of prayer. And then, of course, you see the, the cases of COVID just screaming into the stratosphere mm-hmm. after that. What this has provided for us is the reality that all of these prayers of protection, right, name it and claim it, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, that the Father might be glorified in the Son, blah, blah, blah. All of these prayers have gone unheeded, unanswered. We've actually seen demonstrable proof that God either isn't there, doesn't listen, doesn't care, right? And what's more is that 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 vast middle of the nation, I think, you know, it, because there are obviously people that you just can't reach, you know, the basket of bl- deplorables that, that that Hillary warned us about and we pretended didn't exist. Um, but I think, yeah, the, the middle of the country can't help but see what's happened there. Right. They can't help but see not only were the religious people useless. Right. Their prayers didn't help or anything like that, but they actually exacerbated the problem. They refused to stay at home. They continued to have their uh, their big Christian gathering. They lied to people and said that they could pray away the disease. They lied to people and said they had machines that could shoot the virus down at hundreds of miles per hour in their church. Um, as you mentioned earlier, um, you know, they actually they, they, they were worse than useless in a time of crisis. And I think the most of America is seeing that. No illusions. What have you guys been talking about these days? We all have our passion. We've all got the thing that's sort of on our front burner. You know, what are you doing? What's been on your front burner? Well, honestly, it's been really hard to get away from the coronavirus pandemic. The news is nothing but that wall to wall. Uh, so in my desperate effort to move away from that, I've, I've dived deeply into like video game history uh, just to try to find some new thing, some new outlet. Um, so that's been getting me uh, uh, getting me very excited of, of late, uh, trying to like revisit my childhood through the days of Atari. But uh, but other than that, it's all pandemic all the time. <laughs> Atari takes me back. You know, I had it. I had the 2600. Single joystick, one red button. Those were the days, yep. man. <laughs> Those were the days. I have an Atari emulator like, I don't know, 112 feet from me right now and uh, got some pretty good games. For I, you it. know, it's funny. It used to be, I think the old Nintendo NES was this big thing. And now I think you can buy an NES emulator that fits in the palm of your hand and all kind of crazy shit like yeah, that. Yeah, it's got 150 games with it. You know, they're already pre-programmed it's into it. Legends yeah. of Zelda and Metroid and all those classics. You know, I've gotten into gaming a little bit. The problem is I have the reflexes of a you know, three-toed sloth. I, I can't really play. Very All right, well. so I, I'll tell you what. This is where uh, this is where uh, your gaming needs to go. You need to get yourself an Oculus Quest, and you need to throw down videos like like let us watch you try to ma- manipulate or, uh, and work your way through a three dimensional uh, virtual world. I got one for Christmas. My wife got one, for, and I'm I'm 43 years old, Seth. I'm too fucking old to do this stuff right but i i've got these games where i'm fighting sword fighting ninjas and and uh, you know dodging bullets in slow motion a la neo in the matrix and whatnot and watching you work yourself through a few of those i i'll tell you what i would sure spend an afternoon doing that so you mentioned the matrix you know they're making a fourth keanu reeves to be back for more i think carrie ann moss you have any thoughts on that i know occasionally you guys review non-religious films just to mix it up 
Yeah, well, so um, every month for our patrons, we'll review a secular, a terrible secular movie, and we have done the third uh, Matrix movie in that uh, uh, in that vein. Um, I have to feel like you know, look, as a creative person, I have to feel like the directors, um, the Wachowskis, have spent the last however long. What, how long has it been? It's been fifteen, eighteen years. Yeah, yeah almost twenty years. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So um, they probably spent the lad that entire time going, "Boy, did we shit the bed on that!" I would love another try at finishing that because my understanding is that originally they wanted to just do one sequel, and the and the studio was like, "No, damn it, it's got to be a trilogy. Why would we not make three movies worth of money?" And they didn't really have ideas, so I bet they've been just like kind of desperate to to apologize for it, rewrite the ending of that for a while, and hopefully they've come up with something good. Because the first movie was phenomenal. It's one of the greatest sci-fi movies of all time. The second one is is shat upon unnecessarily. It was actually a very, very good film, a very good follow-up to the first one that was utterly ruined by how bad the third one was. Really? The big thing? Because, I mean, I wasn't a fan of Reloaded. And uh, it mostly when the architect was speaking, there's just drool coming out of my. I'm like, what the hell is he talking about the whole time? So. Yeah, the, that character was definitely a mistake. I thought the revelation he was making there was very, very interesting, though. I thought it was a really good, um, for, from a philosophical perspective, it was a really good way, a direction to take the series from that point. Uh, that the, the whole discussion of free will, I thought, was super interesting. Um, but now, yeah, but that being said, that, that character was obviously a mistake. The way that reveal was done was absolutely ridiculous. But if you think about the classic scenes there, the, the fight on the freeway uh, that they have in that is as good as any of the action sequences from the first one. The big fight where oh, there's the weapons all hanging on the walls and everything like the action sequences. Absolutely. I thought lived up to the uh, to the first movie. The beginning is a little slow and dull um, and the ending is a little ridiculous. But I think ultimately for a. You know, second movie in a trilogy. If you slap a good one on the end of it, we would have been fine with that second movie. Yeah, I love talking movies, but I'm just asking you about another one. Like James Bond got uh, 007 got uh, delayed because of COVID. Daniel Craig has ruined all other Bonds for me. Do you have an opinion? James Bond 007, Daniel Craig, what do you think? Oh, I love him. I absolutely love him as Bond. I, I they, they only did one good movie with him so far, right? That for the Casino Royale was phenomenal. Um, although I thought that drug on a little bit, but he's so good in the role. Now, of course, there was some talk for a while there about Idris Elba taking over as as James Bond, yeah. and I could see that. I could get behind that. Yeah, he's a he's a badass. I thought Skyfall was quite good. Quantum of Solace was terrible. Spectre was terrible. Spectre should was one of those films that should have been like the mecca of James Bond movies, right? Right. The holy grail of James Bond. And I remember sitting in the theater and I'm like, it's never a good thing when you're looking at your watch 25 minutes into a James Bond movie. No kidding. Yeah, Skyfall was good. I, I have a sneaking suspicion. I haven't read this anywhere, but if you watch this mo- that movie again with this in mind, it, it, it seems like it seems like Sean Connery was meant to be a cameo in that movie. That that like he was that that was supposed to be the old butler that he ran into at the end of it was supposed to be Sean Connery. Hmm. Um, and if you watch it, uh, that again, with that in mind, it makes so damn much sense. And then it's just, it kind of breaks your heart because it would have been so awesome if it had been. I'm going to go back and look at it again. That's weird. Um, all right. On the vein of movies, since we're talking, anything you're looking forward to? I mean, whether it's delayed or not, anything coming up and you're like, you know, damn, I really want to be there. 
well, you know, honestly, just getting out of the damn house would be nice <laughs> at this point. You know, there were, I mean, I was really looking forward to the Black Widow movie. We were right around the corner from it. I've been waiting, uh, I don't know, four or five years for Marvel to finally do a, uh, a movie with a female lead. There were, I mean, you know, they did Captain Marvel, but that was the one that we had been promised for so long. Um, so, and, and it looked really good from the previews. So I was really looking forward to that. I was looking forward to getting, you know, diving back into the, uh, into the MCU. I've had fun with almost all of those movies. Um, Do you but, uh, uh, divide into that DC or Marvel thing, or is it just it is what it is, whatever? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that you, you know that I, I'm not enough of a comic book fan to really dive in on that yeah. debate, but I will say that the DC movies have been pretty awful. Shit. Universally. <laughs> that was Superman. Yeah, the Wonder Man Woman one was, was good, shit. but it was terrible. yeah. Everything else they've done has just been awful. Shazam was fun. I like Shazam. Shazam. I guess that's not officially part of the canon of the dcu oh but. wonder woman was fantastic that's a great yeah, exception that one was to good. the rule but uh, yeah that was the good one man of steel that, you know when that. they're fighting in the city they're tearing their own city to absolute shreds and as i think eli said during a podcast we'd done together like why did no one look at these two guys and go hey why don't you guys just have this out in a field somewhere right <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> instead of tearing the whole city to to splinters <laughs> Chicos, have your little mano imano somewhere where you're not going to kill thousands upon thousands. The of ocean. How about the ocean, guys? You know, there's an ocean right there. <laughs> All right. Where can people find you and your work? I want to make sure they got a point of contact. Where do they go to find No Illusions and uh, the projects you're involved in? Uh, so you can just go to scathingatheist.com or just look for The Scathing Atheist wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, or if uh, you're you get already getting plenty of atheism from Seth, you can also check out God Awful Movies, The Skeptocrat, or our newest show, D&D Minus, if you're into the D&D playthroughs. That's a, just a, a, a recent addition because we just figured three podcasts wasn't quite Oh, sorry, four podcasts wasn't quite enough. We also do a trivia show called uh, Citation Needed, which you can find wherever you get your podcast to. I, I do so many podcasts at this time. I, at this point, Seth, I can't even keep track of How all of them. How do you keep them. those plates in the air? That's just insane. I mean, I've got the one, and I feel like content-wise, I'm up to my eyes. I, it's, it's amazing. So I was a professional juggler for about 15 years before I got into <laughs> podcasting. That definitely helps. No illusions, man. It's always a pleasure to hang out with you. You guys be safe out there. We'll uh, rendezvous, hopefully in person, maybe at the American Atheist Convention in Phoenix in 2021. But in the meantime, thanks for being here, brother. Hey, thanks for having me, Seth. Follow The Thinking Atheist on Facebook and Twitter. For a complete archive of podcasts and videos, products like mugs and t-shirts featuring The Thinking Atheist logo, links to atheist pages and resources, and details on upcoming free thought events and conventions, log on to our website, thethinkingatheist.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.